0: Welcome again to Entrust, equipping leaders. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged as today we talk about prayer with our special guest, Anne Graham-Lotz. Anne is an international Bible teacher and the best-selling author of Jesus in Me and Jesus Followers.
1: Well, I'm glad to talk with you today, Anne. Thank you for joining us on our Entrust podcast. I'm glad to do it, Laurie, thank you. We'll just sort of jump in. Our topic overall is prayer. And um, I know you were involved with us back a long time ago when we were called Biblical Education by Extension. How did you come to be involved with BEE?
2: Laurie, I actually can't remember. I think I just received an invitation. Um, it seems like I was doing something else at the time. I was in Wrocław, Poland, opening a seminary, and somehow. B contacted me at about the same time to come to Vienna, and train some of their leaders. And um, I actually was very, very sick. Um, I don't know if it was like a pneumonia kind of thing. I had a high fever. I was really sick. But and I had a a friend with me who was very capable, and um, she helped. But but I led. I believe it was a a day or two full days of training, and so that was my initial introduction to B, and then. I can't remember when it was later, I was invited uh, to come to Moscow and help with the graduation ceremony for some of their women. And that also piggybacked on, um, I was speaking to the Baptist, <clears throat> excuse me, up north of St. Petersburg. And so I went up there and did that. And then I came back to Moscow and um, and spoke at that graduation ceremony. And I think that's the last uh, interaction i've had with b
1: and also you did some teaching in romania i believe about inductive bible study
2: yes that's right so um i i, for, I didn't forget that event but i forgot that b was involved in that but yes and that was uh, an incredible event it was held in the former communist party headquarters and um but it was filled with women who wanted to um, draw nearer to the lord to get into their bibles to turn around and, and help other people um, read their Bibles and as a result, know Jesus and grow in their faith. It was, um, it was an incredible experience. And um, I loved because we stayed there. And so I, I was able to interact with some of the women, you know, at mealtimes and um, other times, and, and really they captured my heart. So um, that was a very blessed time.
1: And, as you met some of those women, whether it was in uh, Russia or Romania, or even in Vienna, um, did you see some examples of prayerfulness among those women that struck you, or might you have a story about someone you met and and her
2: own prayer life? I actually don't. Not that I can remember, because my whole emphasis was to get them into the to the word, you know, to get them into their Bibles and help them understand how to read their Bible so they could hear God speaking to them through it. I do remember the interpreter as being, if I remember right, she was a history professor and, um, and she and I, of course, would spend time in prayers. We'd go over the message before um, presenting it. And, uh, and um, it's just like that article I wrote for you without Jesus, we can't do anything. So, As much as I want to get women in the word and I want them to hear God speaking to them through it, but it really isn't possible unless um, God the Holy Spirit would come down and clothe it with his power, and I think that's an answer to prayer. I I know he honors God's word because he's the spirit of truth. He works through God's word, but I think it requires us to be very um, not only dependent in our spirits, but even Verbally, you know, in prayer, that we would seek His blessing and His help. And so you said, like yourself,
1: you did pray with your interpreter. Was that in Romania? Yes. Yes. How How do you pray ahead of a, a, a teaching or a training event
2: like that? Any event that I do, any time I speak on a platform, um, actually any day that I live, <laughs> you know, it's, it's um, prefaced by prayer. And then as I go through the day, um, you know, I pray throughout the day but I know that I'm going to speak um, on a platform. It just goes back several weeks. Like I just spoke with someone this morning. I'm going to speak for him. I think in two or three weeks, a big convention he's putting on. And so I called them. I, I want to get a sense of, who the people are going to be who are going to be sitting in front of me. And and then from from now, and I've been praying, I, I prayed as to whether or not I should even accept the invitation extended, but now my prayer becomes more focused and praying that God would put his message on my heart that he wants these people to hear. And then I'm going to be praying not only for the people that'll be there, but for myself as I prepare the message that god would give me the examples the illustrations the applications that would be relevant for that specific audience and um then closer to the time I'll, I'll begin preparing the message itself and so you know when people invite me to speak i think they think it just requires the time i spend in their venue or on their platform but actually it backs up for uh, days and even weeks in advance as i've even if it's a message i've given before i I have to prepare it in relation to that particular audience and um, and just have, as I pray, the Lord confirm in my spirit that that's, that's the message he would have me give to that particular group. And then um, the morning that I speak, whether I speak in the morning or I speak at night or I speak during the day, I, I get up early and um, pray through the message um, and And then when I stand up on the platform, I do it in total dependency upon him. I never write out things word for word. I expect that he would use that preparation time so that he can bring to my mind what he wants me to say to those in front of me. And um, so prayer is, it's not that I spend, how do I pray before an event? It's like um, prayer just saturates and interweaves everything. And it doesn't mean that I don't go to the grocery store and I don't, you know, take care of my kids or grandchildren or, or clean my house or whatever. You know, but, mm-hmm. but uh but in the back of my mind, just like this event I'm going to be doing in two or three weeks, it's it's in the back of my mind. So even as I'm going out about my day, I'm I'm thinking about it, I'm asking the Lord questions about it. Um, you know, beginning to um meditate on it, I guess you would say it's sort of like a I love coffee. You know how coffee percolates. <laughs> and so I uh and so it just sort of begins to percolate so that I can deliver it to my aim, of course, when I speak, is that people would forget about me, and they would hear God speaking to them through his word. I never, I told the organizer this morning, 99.9% of the time, uh, I speak straight from scripture. Very rarely do I speak other than that, and that might be Um, the exception might be a word of testimony or something, you know, that's not exposition.
1: Uh, Do you recruit
2: a band of prayer warriors to pray for you during uh, times of teaching like that? Uh, Absolutely. Not only times of teaching like that, but um, when I started, I taught a Bible class in my city for 12 years. But when I stepped out, um, God called me clearly from Scripture that I was to step out and go into what I call an itinerant ministry that was worldwide. And um, when I did, I I felt burdened to ask, I, I felt like I needed a prayer team. And actually, I, I hadn't thought about it until a woman came up to me, had been in my class, and she said, "Aunt, I think you need a prayer team when you go out. And so I started to pray about that. And then I asked God to bring me um, women who would be willing to commit to praying for me every day, and then once a week praying together. And And I thought, you know, out of a class, a Bible class of 500, I thought I might have dozens of women come. Actually, I only had seven women come forward, and um, so I invited them for uh, coffee and explained to them what I was asking, and then asked them to go back um, to their homes and pray about it for a week, and then get back to me, and they did. All seven felt called of God into that prayer team, and that was, um, I want to say that's 35, 40 years ago, and uh, so I still have that prayer team, but not that I only have two ladies in that prayer team um, who have been consistent through you know, 35, 40 years. Uh, two of them have gone on to heaven. Uh, then some of them, the newest ones have been in maybe seven to 10 years. But um, my youngest daughter now heads up that prayer team. And so once a week I send to her to distribute to the prayer team prayer requests for the immediately, for, for this week. In other words, they, they're praying for you and for this interview. I, they meet together on Thursday morning. So this morning they were praying for us as we do this interview. And then next week uh, on Wednesday, I send them another prayer letter that has the updates for the requests I gave them this week. So the the answers to prayer. And then I give them the prayer requests for the next week. And so I've done that now 35, 40 years. And, and what it's done is encourage them. When we pray specifically, so in other words, the prayer requests I give them are ones that, that if God answers, you'll know it this week. You know, specific uh, like this interview would be an example, and or the conversation I had earlier with the uh, the man I'm going to speak for. Just asking God to use that conversation to help confirm in my heart the message I'm to give, and and God answered that prayer. I'm assuming He's going to be answering the prayer for this interview, and um, so so to be on. And then they pray not only it it's mainly ministry centered but if i'm uh you know we all in ministry have are under attack i know and so uh, health issues that i've had or um you know if i just go a week and i can't sleep or um or i have other things that i feel you know are hindering me or coming against me and what god's called me to do then i'll i'll put that in the prayer letter too so they pray for me personally like that um, and so it's, I, I wouldn't get on a platform, can I tell you, I would not step out in ministry. I wouldn't even feel good about taking this interview if I didn't know, not only I prayed, but that I had um, this this team of women, there are now 10 of them in the, the, because it just fluctuates. It's not the numbers, Laurie. So it could be three, it could be, you know, a dozen, but it's never been more than 10. And uh, so I, uh, I wouldn't want to attempt ministry without their prayer covering and without my own prayers because without Jesus, we can do nothing.
1: It's a very serious commitment when they agree to pray for you, like you said. Just one more question back in history, if you remember at all with the Russian or Romanian ladies or whatever, uh, did any advice you gave them about prayer or any teaching you gave them about that?
2: No I don't think I did because i I believe I spoke from uh, if I remember right, and I could be wrong, I believe I spoke from Second Timothy, first or second Timothy. One reason I wrote the article for you the way I did, uh, just to try to emphasize that um, you know, you have all these leadership principles, and then you tack prayer onto it. You can't do that, you know, it's um I was reading this morning in my devotional in my devotions, Luke chapter six, I believe it was where. Jesus was talking about, you know, you judge a tree by the fruit, and, and out of the heart comes, um, uh, you know, your words, your actions. And the same thing, I mean, that's true in anything, but it's true in leadership. So um, your heart needs to be on fire for in your relationship with Jesus. You need to love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and body, and your neighbor as yourself, and have a passion for his word, a passion to reach other people. And that comes out. And so to me, that's basic fundamental leadership, um, without which you can become mechanical and perfunctory and you can go through all the leadership techniques and you can gain your confidence and you can come across, um, you know, the way I see a lot of women coming across. (laughs) But it's not spirit led and it's not spirit filled. So, you know, I don't want to do that. (laughs) right yes you did
1: make that point in the article and we definitely want our listeners to read that article because i had asked you my question to you had been what is the role of prayer in leadership training and you very clearly said that's the wrong question so um do you want to expound on that thought a little bit more for our listeners here why
2: that's the wrong question Well, I I thought it was a good question, because what it did was expose what's wrong. (laughs) And um, and so, without being offensive, you know, it's just, uh, I think I used the example of Moses in um, in the wilderness when he set up a tent of meeting in the middle of the Israelite camp. And he would go in, and and that tent of meeting um, was, of course, the tabernacle, but that's where God would come down and Moses would meet with God, uh, it says, as with a friend face to face. And when Moses came out, he had no idea his face shone. you know, it just just from having been in the presence of God. And he was one of, surely, one of the greatest leaders in all of human history, um, certainly one of the greatest in scripture. And then his um, protege, Joshua, says that he went into that tenor of meeting and Moses would leave and go out in the camp. But, but Joshua stayed in the tenor of meeting. And so he, he dwelt, in a sense, in that place of prayer, that tent of meeting. Um, and he became the, the leader, of course, that took over after Moses, that led the children of Israel into the promised land. And so as leaders, both Moses and Joshua were phenomenal leaders. Moses led the children of Israel out of bondage um, to slavery in Egypt. And then they went nowhere with God for 40 years. They just went in circles. And, uh, but he still got them out of bondage. And Joshua was a leader who took those children of Israel who were going nowhere with God. And he led them through the Jordan and tackled Jericho and into the promised land where they were able to possess what God had promised them. And and so I feel like as leaders, uh, and both Moses and Joshua were saturated in prayer. And, And as leaders, our aim is twofold. One We want to get people out of bondage to sin, um, to lead them to the cross where they confess their sin, to tell God they're sorry, Um, believe he died on the cross to take away their sin, to forgive them, receive the eternal life. He offers through the resurrection and and open up their hearts and receive him by faith um, in the person of the Holy Spirit so that they're born again into God's family. That's, That's a primary basic aim of any Christian leader. The second one is to be like Joshua. And to take people who have put their faith in Jesus and help them grow up in their faith, so they can possess the blessings of God, so they can live out what God's called them for. So, so um, my my point, I guess, in that article was, um, if if you just consider prayer a role, just something, um, a discipline that you to do, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. then um, you're probably going to fall short of what. Um, your potential would be as a leader. And I've, I've used a personal example because I had been in ministry, I don't know how long, but a long time. And um, God seemed to speak to me from Revelation 3, the church at Sardis, when he told Sardis to wake up and strengthen the things that remain. And I went on with the rest of the letter, and um, but God kept bringing me back. And and then I, I began to hear that whisper of the Spirit and... You have a rep, it says you have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. You need to wake up, and and I knew I had a worldwide reputation for somebody who was spiritually alive. But what Jesus was saying on the inside, he saw me. I don't I wasn't dead, but I was not as alive as he would want me to be. I um I was dying because I wasn't getting up to spend time with him. Um, so I went down to the mall, bought an alarm clock with an alarm that went so loud when it woke me up in the morning and your heart bounds and I, I couldn't go back to sleep. And um, and I just began waking up every morning to uh, spend time with him. And as my children have grown, as my schedule changes, you know, that time early in the morning fluctuates. And after some of the health issues I've had, I've struggled with early morning time because my body just doesn't cooperate. But first, first thing in the morning, whatever, it may not be as early as I would like it to be, but well, when I get out of bed after I've washed my face, brushed my teeth, uh, gotten a cup of coffee, uh, I have my quiet time with the Lord. And uh, and one thing I've loved about COVID, you know, it has a silver lining to that dreadful disease. But um, it locked us all down, so I could have an extended time with the Lord. I, I didn't have to look at my watch. You know, I could just sit there and just be in His presence as long as you know. I mean, you you don't ever want to leave His presence, but at least I felt I I had spent time with him each morning in a way that was satisfying, if that makes sense. So so anyway, I just put that in the article because I feel like prayer is uh, prayer and God's word. Um, And it says in that passage about Moses that he would go in the tent of meeting and he would hear what God would say to him. So prayer is not just talking to God. Prayer is listening to what he says. And that means we have to open our Bibles and we have to read our Bibles, listening for his voice to speak to us. Um, so I I do that in the morning. I take a little paragraph of verses. I'm going through the Gospel of Luke and um, and I just list the outstanding facts. I don't paraphrase just nouns and verbs and, you know, and then try to find a, a spiritual lesson from each fact and then put those lessons in the form of a question I would ask myself. And so, so often when I do that, um, I feel God's just whispering to me and um and speaking to me but at night I'm, I started several years ago reading the Bible through which I, every year and I, I don't really like it because I like to meditate on a passage and this way you're run, you know you're sort of racing through it but last night I was in um First Corinthians and and felt as I dived into it and, and read my five chapters which I do each night as I go to bed I, I could hear the whisper of the spirit. You know, it was just so sweet because I wasn't expecting it. I was just expecting to read it through and be familiar with, but, um, but he was uh, whispering and i and I'll tell you what it was. It was in uh, the first chapter and um, the world is so, we're living at a very dangerous, critical time. And, um, and at the very same time, I'm not as strong uh, physically as I would like to be. and, but in that passage, he, he said that he would uh, keep me strong to the end. <laughs> so I just could hear that little whisper, you know, and don't worry, I got it. So, <laughs> oh my. you know,
1: I'm glad you mentioned that. First of all, thank you for your honesty about even buying that loud alarm clock. <laughs> I think a lot of us even struggle there. And also, um, I was going to ask you, you began to kind of answer it, that you did say prayer is not only talking, it's listening, it's letting the Lord speak to us. He does that through Scripture. The Holy Spirit speaks to us, and yet I know when I pray. Sometimes I, I struggle with: Am I? Is it God's voice I'm hearing or my own? Like, am I? I may think I'm hearing something, but is it just me? Um, what thoughts do you have about really recognizing the voice of the Holy Spirit in our
2: our souls, our hearts? Uh, you know, I think some of that, Lori, comes from experience. So that's. Um, as you develop your relationship with him, when you take action on something that wasn't his voice, you'll find out that it wasn't. Sure, and sure. then you take action on something that, and, and we go by faith, so we never know for sure, right? Mm-hmm. So, but then you take by faith something that you believe is God's word, and and then you find out that that indeed is what it was, and, and you begin to discern the difference between other voices and his For myself, uh, he speaks to me through his word, and I know I've got friends, precious friends who are godly and spiritual, and they can go according to an impression or, um, you know, sometimes other things. For me, um, when God speaks to me, he speaks through his word. But it's it's just like when I was reading that passage from First Corinthians, it's like it just jumps up off the page, and and it was interesting. He addresses something that maybe I hadn't even prayed about, just to dress something. Well, actually, I have prayed about that, but not at that moment. But but he knows the thoughts in our mind and the emotions in our heart and what we're facing. And so um, my daughter, my youngest daughter, makes it a habit. She talks to him about what's on her heart before she opens her Bible. (laughs) And then what he seems to say to her, you know, it just seems to be more applicable to what she's just been burdened about. For me, I read my Bible first um, and then pray, pray about what he said to me. But then, for instance, last night, I just wasn't expecting that. But I, I'm glad I recognized it as a whisper because sometimes it's so gentle. You just, um, unless you're paying attention, you know, it um, you may miss it. So I don't, I think it's just um I don't want to say trial and error, <laughs> but as you um, as you follow the shepherd, you'll learn to discern his voice. And and um, and for me, he speaks through his word. So that's
1: true. Yes. And just speaking of that, as the Lord was reassuring you that you're going to be okay, just ask, I would like to ask, how are you? I know you've been through cancer. Your husband passed away a few years ago. You've had some hard things. How are you doing
2: personally? You know, um, I'm doing very well, Laurie, for the condition I'm in. <laughs> um, I'm 74 years old, and um, so I'm just experiencing some things that I think that come with probably the age that I am, but I'm not, what do I want to say? I, I don't want to submit to it. So I'm doing some things to try to fight the, um, you know, and, and I think it's very easy at this age, if you let go of some of your disciplines, whether it's floor exercises or walking or whatever you do to try to keep yourself physically fit, if you, if, and I've had to stop a lot of that since November because I've had um, some surgeries for skin cancer, skin cancer that just will not go away on my leg. So it's um, crippled me to an extent. And, and it's amazing how quickly I lost some of my physical strength. And um, so I'm, I'm fighting to get that back. I'm not, I'm not willing to succumb to um, some of this weakness. And so I'm doing all sorts of things to try to get my physical, uh, I'll never be where I was you know, 20 years ago, but I'm, I wanna be better than I am today. And, and, I, and my aim, besides all of us wanting to feel better and feel stronger, I wanna finish strong. And I believe Jesus is very soon to come back, and this is not a time to wimp out, to stay seated, to pull back in ministry. Um, so I, you know, I want to go all out, and and he he knows that. I've I've told him I'll, when he comes back, I want him to find me, and I believe it'll be in my lifetime, and that's a whole nother subject. But but I want him to find me um, on the cutting edge the sharp edge of commitment, you know, with sword in hand and on the front line of a battle for this generation. Um, and I know I'm going to be bruised and battered and I already am, but I, I want to be standing. I want to finish strong. So that's what I think he was promising me last night. So.
1: I love that. You know, you talk about prayer just needs to be an outflow of our whole entire life and it isn't a checklist item and so on. I'm so grateful you've reminded me of that. How how do you see that working? I like what you said about how your daughter brings to the burdens of her heart to the Lord first and then opens the Bible. You might do it in a different order. Are there other just very practical uh, things you've learned over the years about prayer that might be helpful
2: for our listeners? I always begin prayer with worship um because I think when I worship the Lord for who He is, that whatever I bring to him seems to fall into perspective you know it's um sometimes what we're facing seems so daunting, and but when we begin in worship for who he is um. His power, his majesty, his grace, his faithfulness, his goodness, his kindness, his righteousness, his holiness, his justice, you know, what whatever it is that and, and you you begin in worship, then that helps put your prayer in perspective. And then I also um even if I'm saying a blessing for me, I want to spend time thanking him for the blessings that he's given. And um, and I did that. T- you know, going through, uh, as you pointed out, the cancer, the surgery, the chemotherapy, the radiation, all of that. But, but we've, my two daughters went with me to just about every session and, but we focus on the blessings, you know, because if you focus on the pain and the suffering, then you just go right down. But you focus on the blessings of God, and they're all around you, they're there. And, um, and what it does is just lift your spirit. And, So to to thank him for his blessings, Um, and then you know if there's something that comes to my mind that I need to set right, and had somebody this morning, I I felt two days ago I had been very um, short with the person because I, you know, you get under pressure, you've got so much to do, and then you just sort of I didn't snap, but I was just very abrupt, and so I I had to call the person and and uh, explain that and offer an apology. And, um, and so I think setting things right, you know, if, if it comes to your mind, I know, um, last year, two years ago, I felt like there was somebody, um, that I'd worked with internationally 17 years ago and God brought that person to my mind and had a a challenge trying to find how to locate that person. But I did. And I got a phone appointment and, um, told the person how sorry I was for, and it wasn't so much what I did, although it was some, but people did in my name and I had allowed it, you know, and um, a person couldn't have been more gracious. And and so just, so if there are things in your life you need to clean up, you know, that just that time and prayer of confession, you just clean up. And then, then, and all that doesn't have to take that much time, you know, your worship, your thanksgiving, confession as he brings something to your mind, and then um then you talk to him about what's on your heart. But but when I read read my Bible, I also want to know what's on his heart. So prayer is not so much getting God putting our burdens on his heart. He already knows where it's is having his burdens placed on our heart. It's like Abraham, you know, going before God in um Genesis 18 and knowing that God was going down to Sodom to see what was going on and God knew, but I guess he wanted Abraham to know what was down there. And and Abraham began interceding. And I think one reason God was imparting to Abraham a burden for his nephew and for Lot and Abraham prayed it through. And then of course, um, God answered in a different way than Abraham had asked. And that's something we need to recognize that God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we asked or when we asked or how we asked. And um, and so uh Sodom wasn't saved, which is what Abraham was asking, but Abraham's family was saved out of Sodom, which I think is bottom line what he was asking. And God saved Abraham's family out of Sodom. So as we pray, I think God is able to put on our hearts the burden that's on his heart, and then we pray that back to him. So um, prayer is not just getting from God what we want, but it's coming alongside God. So he if we can put it that way, gets from us what he wants. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: And as we are investing in leaders of the next generation or discipling new believers, followers of Christ, um, how do we pass along these wonderful understandings about what prayer really is to our next generation of people?
2: Probably the primary way is to live it out, you know, to set the example. I don't know who listens to your podcast, or but if you're a a parent in a home, you're a leader. And so what are you doing to teach your children how to pray? My mother, when I was little, she gave me a little white leather notebook and in it she told me to list my prayer requests but to leave and to date them and then to leave a couple of lines underneath so I could go back and put the date when they were answered. So she taught me when I was very young to um, pray specifically and then look for the specific answers. Uh, and then uh, my mother was also somebody, uh, my bedroom was above hers in the house. And doesn't matter what time I went to bed at night, I could look out my window and I see the lights on um, reflected on the trees outside, I could slip down to her room, find her on her knees in prayer. And um, if I did, I, I might as well go back up to my room because she wasn't getting off her knees, you know, to be interrupted. And in the morning, I could see those lights on the trees again, I'll go down and say she'd be at her big flat top desk. She had 14 different translations of the Bible. She'd be studying her Bible reading. And, and then every morning she called the whole family. Everybody was in the house together for prayer before we went to school. Uh, I never liked those times because I was always in such a rush to get to school and find my books and I was afraid I'd be late. And, but it didn't matter. Mother called everybody to uh, the kitchen and she she let in a brief Bible reading and prayer. And she taught me by her example that... Uh, Every day should begin in prayer, no matter how busy we are, how pressured we begin every day with prayer. We can't go forward in the day without that dependency and that and that prayer. And so just just by her example, you know, she taught me and uh, but as well as teaching me personally. Um, So so as leaders in the home, I think we need to set that example. We first of all need to get our own prayer life in order. And um, and then share with our children when they're little to teach them to pray and uh, sincere prayers, you know, real prayers. And uh, if they're older, then just uh, pray with them and for them and teach them to pray for others and um, and, look, and pray specifically so they get answers. So uh, I will tell you that um, I struggle with three areas in prayer. Um, one is concentration. And so sometimes I write my prayers down in order to help me stay focused. Um, I recently published some of those prayers in a little book called *The Light of His Presence*, and it's just a collection of my prayers that I wrote in order to help myself with concentration and then also content. I can struggle with content, but when I wrote those prayers, I made sure that I was spending time worship, thanksgiving, confession, and then intercession and um, and consistency. So um, that's where I try to get up every morning and spend time with them. So those three areas are the biggest battles for me in prayer. But it's worth just, you know, maybe my biggest victory is that I keep on battling.
1: (laughs) Keep pressing on. Do you still have that little white leather notebook? I do. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any other advice you would give us? Are there ways, pitfalls we should avoid, like ways that we maybe, again, think about prayer or seek to pray that are... Maybe not quite on track in
2: your understanding. Uh, I think one of the things we need to remember is that our relationship with the Lord is a love relationship. So, um, if I oversleep and I rush through my day without that prayer time, you know, um, not to feel so guilty that you can't come back to Him the next morning. And um, it's a love relationship. It's not legalistic. It's not, you know, He's not going to blame you or punish you because you slept, overslept, and you didn't have your prayer time. So that's one thing. And just remember that it's a a love relationship, but because it is, you want to spend time with the one that you love. So, uh, and then I think you can also mix up your prayer so that um, in the summertime, you know, I like to go outside early in the morning uh, when it's warmer and have a a praise and worship time just outside. You can change where you're I have a particular place in my home where I pray and at that place is my devotional Bible. It's not the one I travel with or the one I read before I go to bed or, um, or the one I speak from It's a, just a devotional Bible. It's tear stained marked up on all the margins. It's starting to fall apart, but um, in the margins I'll write the date and the verse that seemed to speak to me and, and why. And so it's just got that in all the margins of the Bible, but um and but I have a that Bible, I have a reading glasses, I have a pen, I have a pencil, I have notepaper, um, maybe my other devotional material, so that when I get up in the morning, I don't have to go looking for those things, you know, they're right there so that they're easily accessible. Because if you start looking for them, then you know, you're going to get distracted by all the things you need to do in your house. So I tried to set a time, it's just first thing in the morning. Um, the prophet Daniel was somebody, if you remember. You know, he, he prayed three times a day and he had a designated place. It was that upstairs room with the window focused towards Jerusalem, which to me just gave him sort of an eternal perspective. And, um, and he spent time with the Lord. It didn't matter, you know, what his uh, critics were saying or, or what was going on. He, he was disciplined and prayer does require discipline. So I don't want to make light of it. It's not an emotional, sentimental exercise. It requires discipline and it's also hard work. At least for me, it's been hard work, but um, but it's worth the work that you put into it because that's where your relationship with the Lord is developed and enriched, and that's where you draw alongside His heart, and um, it's where you get your marching orders for the day. If prayer is getting not stale, but sort of like you're getting in a rut, then I'll just suggest, you know, switching it up and change the place where you pray or um, you can, if you play the piano, or if you have a hymn book, you can use that for your praise and worship. Or you can play a song that's been meaningful and use that in your praise and worship time. And so, just um, you know, you, to keep it fresh. So um, I don't know if that helps or not. But but over the years, I've changed and I've I've kept um, lists of people that I pray for. I've kept card files. I've kept notebooks. So whatever helps. Okay. Um, but but you can be creative. Important thing is that you spend, you're consistent so that every day you're spending time with the Lord and, and you determine whether it's going to be five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour, whatever it is, um, but you just keep it like a a commitment that you would make to um, a doctor's appointment or a business appointment or a teacher's appointment. You just keep that time with the Lord and um, and it'll bear fruit. And that is really good for personal
1: prayer, our, our personal walk with Christ and our our just continuous being with Him and learning from Him and letting Him speak to us. And then what about like group prayer, praying with a, a prayer partner, a small group? I've often wondered, like some people say, well, I need to get as many people praying about this as I possibly can. And I've wondered, well, does it matter in God's eyes, if one person is praying, or 50, or 500, or, and um I'm kind of asking a very vague thing here, but your thoughts about corporate prayer, group prayer, in terms of how that works, or how does the Lord <laughs> desire that to happen,
2: I guess? Well, uh, it may depend on what you're focused on, you know, um, nationally. I feel like it's not getting as many people in prayer as we can, but as many people as we can focused on our need for God to the point that they would intercede for our nation. So I can see that, but, but um, you know, Jesus said, and we quote that verse so many times, you know, where two or three are gathered together. Yeah. And so it's not the big group. And I love James when it says the prayer of one righteous man is a powerful and effective and, so for myself, I don't look for a big group. Uh, my prayer team right now has 10. I have, I have another prayer team that covers my office ministry. So my staff and uh, people like that, there's seven in that prayer team. And um, and so they pray for my ministry staff. And, and once a month, um, they'll have one of the staff people come in and share with them whatever they're going through and they pray over them. And so I've... I, very much believe in corporate prayer, but I don't think it has to be, I don't think the numbers, what I want are righteous people, <laughs> mm. people who really know how to pray and are right before the Lord and feel burdened to pray for whatever it is that we're up to. And I i have noticed that um, I just had both of my prayer teams for coffee two weeks ago. And um, and so we just gathered and I wanted to hear from them what was going on. And then we had a prayer time and it's and it's so special to hear People praying, and the very thing somebody prays is the very thing that was on my mind, you know. And it's how the Holy Spirit, you just have a sense of the Holy Spirit is moving. And then sometimes, uh, in our office, actually, on Monday mornings, we begin the week with prayer. Just how we have a room called the meeting place, and it's in the heart of our office. And um, so our staff comes in on Monday mornings, and we just have prayer. And in this last Monday, I, I noticed when people are praying, it's interesting how, um, as the Spirit moves, He puts on one person's heart the thing, and the next person prays that, and the next, pe- and it's just the Holy Spirit can stimulate our thinking and our intercession when we're praying in a group. So, anyway, I, I appreciate corporate prayer, and I, I very much uh, not only appreciate it, but um, I, for myself and my ministry, it's it's been necessary. Hmm.
1: What are some resources you might recommend to any of us about prayer, whether that's uh, books or um, things that might help us learn more about how to pray and and the value of prayer if we're
2: feeling a bit stagnant in our prayers, maybe? I'm not good, Laurie, in um, formulas and self-help books and prayers. I, I did write, and I don't have that here, but The Light of His Presence which is just a comp, you know. It's, it's my prayers that I pray written down, and I know I've had people say that they're using that as their own prayers. And I had a uh, the Valley of Vision. Are you familiar with that? It's a Puritan. It's a compilation of Puritan prayers, and um, and it's just called the Valley of Vision. And they're they're powerful prayers by old timey people. <laughs> And and it's a comfort to know that some of those people wrestled with some of the same things I've wrestled with, you know, and so, so that's sort of what prompted me to allow the publisher to publish my prayers, because I thought if the prayers of these old-timey people in the Valley of Vision could help me express some of my prayers, then maybe my prayers could help somebody else. And, um, but that's actually what the Psalms are. So the Psalms, so many of them are David's prayers. And then afterwards, you know, we get into others, but um but you can pray, you can take the words of those Psalms or the words of somebody else's, or the prayers, I I did a study this past um, spring, it was on the prayers of Paul in in the New Testament, and just went through one by one, just what does it say, what does it mean, what does it mean in my life, so just listing the facts, then listing the lessons from the facts, and then coming up with questions that I would ask myself. And um, and so you can do that with prayers in scripture. So I'd rather do that than read somebody else's fill in the blanks. And then I would take it you do simply pray scripture back to God. I mean, he, he loves to be held to his word. It gives strength. But you, you can also, of course, put your prayers in your own words. So I don't mean that all you can do is pray scripture back. But, um, but there, there's a strength, I think, that comes when we hold God to his word.
1: Uh, what else? I would, our time is nearly finished, but if there's anything else, you, what else would you like to say to our listeners about prayer in
2: any aspect? I'm just trying to think of something that would come to mind, and what's come to mind is in Revelation 5, when uh, it's perhaps the most thrilling chapter, I think, in the Bible, other than resurrection, you know, (laughs) but it's the, it's the description that John gives of when Jesus asserts his right to rule the world. And, um, so John looks and he sees the lamb standing in the center of the throne and the lamb, you know, the nail prints in his hands and feet, the lamb that was slain, but he's no longer hanging on a cross. He's standing in the center of the throne and, um, he's getting ready to come back and rule the world. And it says that the bowls of incense were full and the bowls were the prayers of the saints. And so in some way, prayer seems to be something God uses to usher in, um, not only in application, not only his lordship and his authority in our own lives, but actually in the world, that when those bowls of incense are full, that's when Jesus comes back. And that's when you have that fabulous passage, worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive all glory and wisdom and power and honor. You know, and then all the angels bow down and worship on all the people on the earth, under the earth, and the whole universe just rocks in praise. But it seems to be triggered by these prayers. Um, the bowls of incense full of prayers. And so I've I wondered whose prayer would be the last one to come in so that God would say, now it's full. And so I don't want to fall short. I want to make sure that i'm doing my part um in praying so that um, soon and very soon those bowls would be filled and jesus would say i've got enough you know father it's time or or he would the way jesus says the father that tells the son to come back it's time it's time to go so i believe we're living very close to that time and so when you i don't know how you catch the news i read the headlines on the phone or the computer. Sometimes watch the news at night and and there's so much suffering in our world, so much lying, so much deception, so much corruption, so much greed. And and those things, you know, if they grieve us, then they grieve the heart of God. And I think it's it's appropriate. My my father used to do this. He he was a news addict, you know, he he loved the news. And of course it wasn't as bad in his lifetime as it is today, but but he would just break out in prayer, you know, just praying for what he was saying, praying for the burdens that those news headlines gave him. And um, so, you know, prayer, prayer is devotional. it's It's our relationship with the Lord, but also is a weapon. And it's one of our two offensive weapons, prayer and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So we need to pick up our weapons and pray against this evil that's coming in like a flood. There's a wonderful illustration of Robert Louis Stevenson when he was little. And apparently he was in his uh, nursery at uh, in London and he was staring out the window and his nanny called him to go to bed and he just was staring out the window. And she came over and she said, Robert, she said, what are you looking at? And he said, Nanny, look, he said, I'm looking at that man. He's putting holes in the darkness, and it was the lamplighter coming down the street, you know, and, and I think sometimes our prayers or a word, God's word that we give out, maybe we won't change the world, but we can put holes in the darkness, and the darkness is just descending in oppressive, just thick, but, um, but it has not overcome the light, and so we need to turn on the light through our prayers and through giving out God's word. Amen.
1: Jesus has won the victory. That's right. Amen. <laughs> will be glorified. Well, mm-hmm. uh, thank you, Anne, so much for your time today and your insights. And uh, just appreciate your heart and uh, trust that what we've talked about will be encouraging all of us to just yeah. pray, pray, pray.
2: Yeah, I agree. So let, let me just pray for a moment. Can I do that? Yes, please. Thank you. Okay. So, Father God, we come before you and we thank you and worship you as our Abba Father, one who has ears to hear and a mind to think and a heart to love and arms to embrace. Um, And we come before one that we know loves us so much that you gave heaven's treasure um, as a sacrifice for our sin to open that way into the meeting place, Lord, that we can go in to the Holy of Holies through the blood of Jesus, knowing that you'll receive us and you'll hear us. And so, Lord, I pray for all those who will be watching, listening to this podcast, that you'd give them a hunger and thirst for you, that they would want to draw near to you. They would want to um, hear your heartbeat, would want to know what burdens your heart, that they might come alongside and pray back to you what it is that you're wanting to do for us and through us. So we just pray your blessing on Lori. We pray your blessing on this podcast. We ask that you would use it, please, for your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Entrust, equipping leaders today with your host, Lori Lind, and our special guest, Ann Graham-Lotz. Find links to Anne's website, our website, and to the article Ann wrote for us about prayer in your show notes. While you're there, please take time to leave a review and share this podcast with others. Next time, we get to learn more about prayer from Entrust's own Lynn Blasi, who serves with her husband in Serbia. She learned a lot about prayer from both local Serbian and the local Roma Christians. Subscribe now so you don't miss any new episodes of Entrust Equipping Leaders.